welcome. Thanks for joining us in this live edition of the Stronger by Science podcast. I'm your host, your one and only permanent host, Eric Trexler, but I am joined today by a special temporary guest co-host. His name is Greg Knuckles. Greg, thanks for joining me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. You might be wondering why I invited Greg to be a guest co-host for this specific episode, and it's because we're going to be talking about our diet app that we work together on uh, with a team of people that we're really excited about. Today is obviously the big day. We launched it today, so this is part podcast, uh, part celebration, part infomercial. Um, So thanks for joining us for the celebration here. Greg, I want to begin with a question. Do you know why May 19th is a significant date? Um, not right off the top of my head. On the 19th of May in the year 2019, mm-hmm. you and I, in a way, in many ways, in most ways, changed the world. Okay. Because we looked around and we said, podcasts exi- exist, but no one has done it in fitness yet. Yes. And, and so that was the first date we released an episode <laughs> created the first and only fitness podcast and brought that into the space. And of course, there have been copycats since. Uh, Similarly, we recently were looking around and said, phone applications exist, but why has no one tried to do a nutrition-focused app? It it really is shocking. You, You would think there would be one by now. You would think. And so much like we did with the podcast, we said, let's change it. And today we release, as far as I know, the first and only diet app, which we're really proud of. The first, the only, and still the best. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about the app. We're going to answer some questions, stuff like that. But I think first, a good question would be, uh, why build a diet app? So I don't know, Greg, why build a diet app? Man, I was having a really hard time scraping together funds for my fourth home. And so, uh, just put another another product out into the world. No, um, <clears throat> yeah, why do it? So honestly, the best <laughs> the best person to answer this question, and and this is, uh, I guess, kind of the story of our of our founding of Macro Factors founding is uh, back in 20, 2015, I guess. I don't know. It's a long time ago, and I'm old. Uh, yeah, around 2015 or so, uh, we put out a spreadsheet that, um, it was basically the core sort of logic of the app, but very dumb. Um, so very simple. Yeah. Could have been better. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Corey, one of our developers had been using the app for a while or, uh, had been using the spreadsheet for a while. I mean, um, and had basically uh, enjoyed it overall, but saw some key ways that it could get better uh, and said like, hey, if I developed this thing into an app, uh, would you have any interest in partnering, you know, giving feedback, releasing this thing on your platforms, uh, going into this thing as partners? And I said, uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> why don't you make a prototype uh, so we can get an idea of whether this is good or not. Because people hit me up about stuff on the internet all the time. Um, and and most of... Very specific, by the way. People hit you up about stuff on the internet. Yeah, exactly. We, we've all been there, on right, the, guys? On the World Wide Web. <laughs> um, no, I, I, a lot of people pitch uh, 
seemingly enticing opportunities to to me. Uh, and then oftentimes when you drill down into them, they're not all that enticing. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know the guy. So I was like, yeah, j- make something come back to me. Like once you have something to show me, then we can talk about it. Uh, and so he went away for a few months, put together a very basic uh, version one of the app. I was like, holy shit, this is actually pretty slick. <laughs> um, and so at, at that point, we, uh, you know, we, d- we decided to move forward with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, why do it? Uh, Corey would probably be <laughs> the best person to ask. Uh, but, you know, basically, we, uh, we saw the work that he had done already. And, uh, you know, thought that there was real potential to make something really, really good. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had had discussions when we were looking at the first version. And I think the biggest question for us was, you know, is, is there really room for improvement here? Can we do something that we feel is better than what's already available? Because obviously I was being facetious. There are plenty of apps out there that can give you calorie recommendations, macro recommendations, uh, facilitate with the logging of your food and the tracking of your macros. Um, and after digging into the calculations, seeing the prototype, you know, it looked like we could really, really do something cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that brings us to today. And it, it's kind of funny to think if you can think back to when we first saw the initial version yeah, and how much changed from then to now, it's kind of funny to think back to how blown away we were at the first, <laughs> at the first oh, yeah. instance. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, our ambition with this, I mean, if you've been following Stronger by Science content and, and the stuff we do in mass and things like that, you're probably aware that Greg and I like messing around with math and numbers. Mm-hmm. That's generally a fun thing for us. And so our ambition here is to really uh, create a solid, solid diet app with really precise estimates. And we want to continue adding complexity to the algorithm as we go, as we gain more and more information. Um, And and so we put a ton of work into developing uh, what we've launched today. We're stoked about it, but the long-term trajectory is to continue digging in to these numbers as we go, which Mm -hmm. is going to be a really exciting thing. Um, And of course, along the way, we absolutely plan to roll out more and more features and continue you know, the user experience based on the feedback we've been getting in alpha testing, beta testing is great, but we want to continue improving that as we go as well, you know, mm-hmm. constantly getting better. And that brings me to the next thing, which is, you know, you mentioned Corey, um, you know, we, we're good at a couple things, not many, uh, but certainly not development of phone applications. Correct. Uh, I would be completely worthless. And my understanding is that you can't make a top tier either iOS or Android app in R. So no, you can't that that would uh, be, be a problem for you. Well, if you can, I can't. Um, <laughs> so that brings me to point number two, which is just kind of introducing who we are. And when I say we, I'm talking about macro factor. Um, and, you know, we teamed up with Corey and Rebecca, our, our developers, and then obviously, Lindsay, um, you know, has been doing all sorts of crazy stuff prepping mm-hmm. for the launch. Um, so, so that's that's the core team here, and what we're really excited about is that it truly is a team. You know, we're, yeah. we're all co-equal partners. We all have skin in the game, and we're really stoked about the fact that our our development team literally lives 
in the city we live in. Um, like they are part of this business 100%. Like they're literally downstairs right now, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so one of the reasons we're excited about that is because, you know, a lot of people who work in the app space, they outsource a lot of their development to uh, contractors. It can lead to slower fixes when there are bugs. It can mm -hmm. lead to friction in the process. There can be continuity issues where yeah. you just kind of hand over an app to a contractor who's never seen it. And they're like, eh, I can figure out how this works and try to tweak it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th this is really a team here. And we're really excited about that because, you know, first of all, it's a great team. Like we, we love the people involved, but, but we, we really want to make sure that we uh, are responsive to our users and continue to roll out really good features as we go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see some people in chat uh, asking us to, to bring them up and get them on the podcast. We asked them uh, if they would be interested in appearing and they said, and this is a direct quote, uh, we were watching chat your last episode and uh, a lot of those people who who watch your podcast are a bunch of dicks. So uh, <laughs> maybe not. So anyway, um, they they will probably come on at some point. But uh, the fact that they're not now, uh, that's on you guys. So absolutely uh, shame on you and uh, try to do better. But no. So, um, yeah, th this is <laughs> this is maybe the thing that I'm the most passionate about when it comes to the long-term uh, like the long-term strength of macro factor compared to other um, other like diet nutrition diet coaching apps on the market uh, and, and th this is something that like you can't put it on a sales page it's not like a feature that would maybe like resonate with someone who's just coming across the app but the thing that excites me the most is just how fucking good Corey and Rebecca are. Um, it's it's truly stunning. So the the app as it is now, they've been working on it for a little bit over a year. And I think, I mean, I'm clearly biased here. I think it's the best app on the market. Uh, it, it, it does in its current state still have some drawbacks. There's still some areas that uh, could use some improvement and polish. Uh, but I think that, you know, feature for feature, function for function, uh, it goes toe to toe with anything else that's out there. And they've, it, this is two people working on it part time for a fucking year. And that's compared to other apps that have been on the market for a decade and have development teams of, you know, it, for some of the larger apps, 20 plus people. Um, and so what they've already been able to make is absolutely incredible. And the fact that they've been able to make it in a year blows my mind. Uh, since alpha testing started like six months ago, I think they've put out like <laughs> somewhere around 30 builds of the app, yeah. which uh, I mean, there, there are nutrition apps on the app store that haven't had 30 total releases in their lifetime. Uh, and, and some of those were bug fixes, but a lot of those were rolling out major new features. Um, and so we're not going to talk about this type of stuff on this episode of the podcast. Uh, but we have, we have some big plans for where macro factor is going to be headed um, and, and things we want to do with it in the future. And I, I have uh, 
intense and abiding faith in our developers um, to a degree that is perhaps unhealthy, but Jesus Christ, they are so fucking good. Um, and, you know, when you guys check out Macro Factor, I think you're going to be very impressed because, uh, like I said, it already goes toe to toe with anything else in the market after just one year of development. And as good as it is now, it is going to get so much better because yeah. they are so good. Yeah. And that brings me to, you know, the other part of who we are as macro factor that involves the user base as well. Uh, I mean, we've got great developers, but uh, we really want to foster a true community of users and we want to lean on user feedback so that we can continue to adjust things and roll out new features uh, that are really prioritized by the people who mm -hmm. have skin in the game, the people that are actually using this app on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, that is who we are as Macro Factor. I did see a question in here asking if the app could give people superpowers, and I would basically defer to my Turkestrone answer again and say, <laughs> we have no evidence to say it will, but also technically no evidence to say it won't. So that is correct. Pretty interesting when you think about that. Were there any user questions that jumped out to you before we start? Like eventually we're going to talk through some of the features that are most important to us, I think. But did you yeah. see anything uh, you wanted to comment on here? Uh, just in terms of like chat scrolling by? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see something? I can I can look real quick while you so, answer something. <laughs> I, I did see one person. Well, first of all, Mike Lane, uh, the good doctor, Mike Lane. I thought Mike Lane might be here because I saw a lot of Eastern Kentucky University students in the chat. So he... I believe he told his students they would get extra credit if uh, <laughs> if we answered their questions. Um, but uh, so so maybe there, Wait, there's a, only if we answer them. Uh, I don't know. So th there are a bunch of kind of just generalized fitness questions from from Doctor Lane's <laughs> students. By the way, Doctor Lane was uh, very perturbed when he heard you say that research should just take the form of dissertation projects. Uh, he, he, as someone who had completed a <laughs> dissertation, he got some pretty severe flashbacks from that and, and wasn't pleased. So, uh, you'll have to take that up with him. You know, one thing that somebody commented on here, not necessarily a question. Uh, well, two things. First of all, someone asked uh, about alcohol being handled within the app. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, within the app, you have running totals of your macros. You have running total of your calories that are being tracked we do track alcohol as well. Uh, yeah. And so we don't have to like lump it into a different macro or anything like that. It gets tracked independently. And that's one of the things that I really like about the app is some of the extra stuff that can get tracked. You know, mm -hmm. like um, a lot of times some of, the, some of the apps will do, you know, the basic macros, maybe fiber, maybe some key micronutrients. And of course, I haven't tried every diet app out there, but... You know, with ours, we've got, you know, alcohol, caffeine, water, fiber, starch, sugars, uh, net carbs, if you're into it. Mm -hmm. um, I like the fact that you can look at specific amino acids, um, different uh, fat breakdowns, including omega-3 and omega-6. So uh, the, the short version of the answer is that alcohol is tracked. Uh, and as long as you're logging foods that contain all the necessary information, that stuff will get tracked. So if you're using uh, foods, you know, within the database that have full information, and we use a really good database, by the way, uh, all that stuff will get tracked. And that's been interesting me 
uh, as I continue to eat more and more plant-based proteins because I'm not eating meat at the mm -hmm. moment, uh, it's been nice to kind of look through some of the amino acids and make sure I've got my bases covered. Um, another comment in here was about, um, what was the comment? Oh, about the app being adherence neutral. Yeah, that's what I was going to comment on. Yeah, you, well, you can take the lead. So this is your sh this is your show. This is your world. It I'm is just living in it. Absolutely, my show, and it's important <laughs> that viewers and listeners don't forget that. You know, uh, so being adherence neutral is something that we're stoked about because uh, adhering to a diet is hard for uh, many many reasons. Uh, I, th I think it's pretty self evident and. You know, there are some diet apps that'll say, hey, we'll continue to update and give you new calorie recommendations and new mac macro recommendations and things like that, but only if you're always perfect, uh, <laughs> which is uh, probably not ideal in, in the real world. Yeah. You know, so um, the logic behind our app, the way that the actual calculations and estimates work, do not rely on you being perfectly adherent to your macro targets. Of mm -hmm. course, that is. The goal is to be pretty adherent, to get pretty close to your targets, um, but but we don't require it. Um, and having poor adherence does not alter the app's ability to make accurate estimations. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the things we're stoked about because we want the app to be. You know, we call it a diet sidekick more so than a diet coach, mm -hmm. and it's because we want the app to be a resource for people whether they're trying to lose weight, gain weight, maintain weight or track other factors of their diet. You know, there, there's more to it than just weight change. Um, you know, we want to make sure that it's a tool that people can use that doesn't re require them to be totally fixated on the numbers yeah. and, and with a, a level of precision that's just going to drive them crazy. So, okay. I'm a little sleep deprived, so maybe my judgment isn't, it's best and I'm getting a little heated. So I might be about to get myself in trouble, but I'll, well, we are live. I'll, I'll do and the last best. time you did this, I didn't like it. So anyway, go ahead. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, no. So, uh, like Eric was talking about the, the app and the calorie updates week to week are adherence neutral. So you, uh, you track your weight every day you track your nutrition and you know, you say you want to we you want to lose or gain weight at a particular rate. Okay, how much should you eat? So I fully don't understand uh, why adherence would matter. So the the kernel of this app, like I said, was the spreadsheet that I made way way back in the day, and uh, that was based on like some very, very basic physiological principles. So, you know, if you, uh, if you know the rate at which your weight is changing and you have reasonable estimates of the caloric content of the weight you're gaining or losing, you can then estimate uh, how large of a deficit or surplus you're in if you know rate of weight change and nutrition intake. So, like, if you have those three things, rate of change weight and uh, nutrition intake, you can you can estimate someone's daily energy needs. Uh, the biggest drawback of the spreadsheet was basically just that it didn't take into account enough data and didn't smooth the, the data well enough, uh, which are two major things that the app uh, corrects and addresses. But I 
fully don't understand why just for generating recommendations, why adherence should even enter the discussion. Um, because the, the basic principles of physiology are the same regardless. Uh, you know, if, if your daily calorie needs are say 3000 calories and you're trying to lose a pound a week and you roughly need to eat 2,500 calories a day and you eat 2,500 calories a day and you lose a pound a week, bada bing, bada boom, it's working well. If you eat 2,750 calories per day, you're somewhat non-adherent. You lose half a pound a week. Well, okay, that's still useful fucking information. I know, I know that the original recommendation was correct. You didn't stick to it, so you didn't lose as much weight as you wanted to, but it still contains the information needed, in this case, to not make an adjustment. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, if you ate 2750 and you lost a pound a week on that, then that says that like, oh, that's useful information. The initial estimate was too low. We thought you needed to eat 2500 per day to, to meet your goals. It's actually 2750. It, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to update recommendations based on that information that you're acquiring. Uh, so yeah, like making our algorithms and recommendations adherence neutral, it's not like that was hard to do. And it's, it's not like we had to sacrifice anything to get there. Uh, to me, it, it seemed like the only logical way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a really nice thing because, um, you know, people aren't going to be perfectly adherent. And it's important that the app continues to still function well and, and deliver and give good estimates. So we're really stoked about that. Um, did you see anything that you wanted to comment on in the uh, the chat here? Uh, that was the biggest uh, serious question I wanted to comment on. Uh, someone asked what my thoughts on, on Harry Potter were. Interesting. Um, we should, we should dig into that. All magic is devil magic. Uh, the story of King Saul bears that out. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that should be pretty clear. Also, uh, this is not solely just going to be a sales pitch. So I want to answer, uh, another question <laughs> just so, yeah. just so this, this doesn't fully become a, a Billy Mays late night infomercial. Um, those, those were good though. They, Billy, they yeah. were, uh, rest in peace to a legend, but, uh, let, let's get, uh, Let's get someone from Kentucky a little bit of extra credit. I'm going to start with Joe here. Uh, Greg, could you share your thoughts on duffalo benching? Useful. Does it help with a certain muscle, for example, chest more? If someone just wants to be strong and doesn't power lift, would you recommend it? Um, so yeah, benching with uh, a slight cambered bar. I think it's good. Uh it increases range of motion. Buffalo bars, duffalo bars, they have a, a relatively gentle bend to them. So for most people, it should still be pretty tolerable for your shoulders. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of a McDonald bar, like a, a three inch, just straight up bench press style cambered bar. For those reasons, you can, you can bench through a longer range of motion. Uh, if you are not as short armed and barrel chested as I am that that bar might uh, expect shoulder range of motion that you just don't have. Um, but I, I, I think a Buffalo or Duffalo bar is, is a pretty good compromise for most folks, but on the flip side, going the other way, if you're someone who has, you know, a, a 
relatively thin torso, uh, front to back, and really long arms, you know, just a barbell bench press itself to your chest might be a pretty challenging range of motion. And so uh, it might be a little bit risky to try to bench through a longer range of motion, and you probably certainly don't need to bench through a longer range of motion. So yeah, I would say for most people on average, the slight increase in range of motion from a buffalo or, or duffalo bar probably has a uh, small net salutary effect uh, on training responses, especially for your pecs. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the range of motion you bench through if you're dealing with specialty bars, tailor that based on your, your relative arm length uh, and the degree to which bench to your chest is is uh accomplishing what you want it to accomplish yeah good stuff you know there's another uh question that is related to what the diet app does but isn't specifically about it so this is from eku um did i lose it oh no because if i don't mention the name they won't get the extra credit it was about calories in yeah so uh that last one was from joe i don't know if i said that joe from eastern kentucky university all right, so I've got one from uh, Tyler Smith over at Eastern Kentucky. Uh, is calories in versus calories out the perfect formula for weight loss or weight gain? Or is there a missing factor that we haven't discovered yet? Um, you know, I think probably the best answer to that is contained within a series of articles that you just put up on the website. You know, so um, do you want to briefly summarize what those articles indicate basically they walk you through because <laughs> yeah the, you, you the, hear about the articles themselves are summaries yeah like yeah yeah it, it would be it would be hard to summarize them further yeah, yeah the, so the, so you can check most, them out the two most recent uh stronger by science articles good to check out i would say um two things though one is that uh one is that i i do think that there is a not major, but non-trivial factor that is that is often unaccounted for, and that's uh, energy lost via fecal mass. So, um, or, or you know, not just via fecal mass, but via uh, energetic macronutrients that make it all the way through your digestive system that you excrete. Uh, so, I I used to think that outside of disease states the amount of net metabolizable energy contained within feces was like truly trivial, like, you know, less than 1% of what you ate. Uh, I came across a review paper recently that suggested that uh, even for healthy non-diseased individuals, a typical range is like two to 10% of the calories you consume. And I mean, you know, if we're accounting for thermic effect of food in metabolic calculations, you know, when you're dealing with something that might account for up to 10% of total energy intake, uh, that's that's a non-trivial factor. So um, one thing to keep in mind is if you want to be really like a huge stickler for this stuff, uh, technically, technically, and this is a huge technically, th this is the type of thing where if you break it out in common conversation when someone talks about calories in, calories out, They'll probably punch you in the face and honestly, you'll deserve it. Uh, but if you wanted to be super technical about it, calories in doesn't really start until food is actually absorbed because your entire digestive tract um, is, is like sort of outside your body, if that makes sense. So the human body is kind of a donut. Uh, there is a hole that goes from your mouth to your anus that is continuous. Uh, you could pass a string through 
your entire digestive tract without ever puncturing a tissue. It is fully continuous with, with the outside world. So technically, calories in starts once energetic nutrients are absorbed and make it through uh, the lining of your, your small and large intestine. Um, so technically, uh, energy lo lost via uh, fecal excretion that doesn't necessarily impact that that impacts the calories in part uh, of the calories in calories out equation not the calories out part because uh, technically those calories never fully go in in the first place um and the other thing that i think and and, and we talked about this on our last q a i'm pretty sure so i'm not going to get into it too much um but i i think it's important to note that um that oftentimes when people think that there's like a paradox that quote unquote breaks the calories in calories out paradigm, oftentimes it's just a matter of not adequately accounting for the calories out side of the equation. Um, so last time around, we, we talked about kind of the dead zone that you can have in, in terms of a range of calories where body weight doesn't change very much because you can have uh, various adaptations, changes in NEAT, uh, changes in maybe basal metabolism to some degree, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that a lot of the confusion stems from the idea that like, oh, hey, if I reduce my calorie intake by 200 calories per day, I'm going to start gradually losing weight. And, you know, maybe your weight doesn't change at all. That doesn't mean that the calories in calories out equation is, is broken. Um, it just means that you're doing a pretty good job of accounting for calories in and a pretty bad job of accounting for calories out, which isn't on you. Uh, it's, it's really hard to account for calories out. Um, but yeah, oftentimes that's what confusion comes down to. It's just, uh, very not easy, but it's relatively simple to quantify one of those variables and quite challenging to quantify the other one. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a post that, that we made on Instagram a long time ago, several, several, several months that was about calories in, calories out. Mm -hmm. And uh, you think about that phrase, calories in, calories out. It sounds like you basically have two terms to take care of. Uh, but the post was about a paper by Kevin Hall, who's uh, kind of like the, one of the lead nutrition researchers at the National Institute of Health. And uh, he does a lot of really good work in, in nutrition. And he also does a lot of modeling work. And so he had a paper modeling body composi composition changes in response to various interventions. Mm -hmm. And if you opened, if you were so unlucky as to open the appendix or the supplementary material with the actual equations, it was like, I think 64 or 66 equations something like that yeah that were used to approximately represent the relationship of calories in calories out mm -hmm. you know and, and so it, it there's so much more to it than i exercised for this many calories i think and i i'm pretty sure i ate that many there's a lot to it so yeah. so yeah if you ever feel really frustrated about why the numbers aren't matching what you're expecting a lot of times there's quite a lot to account for there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to clarify. So uh, there's a question here about plant-based diets. So uh, James said, I mentioned last time that there would be an option to auto set calories and macros based on a plant-based diet. Um, but they didn't see that in the program set up. Uh, perhaps I misunderstood the question last time around, but um, you know, 
macro factor, uh, the, the diet app we're putting out that we're launching today is fully compatible with plant-based diets for sure. But there, there's no mode where you would say, I'm on a plant-based diet. How much should I eat? You know, we would basically make recommendation or the app would make recommendations for your calorie intake and your macro breakdown based on the other factors you ind indicate, you know, based on your goal, your estimated energy expenditure, um, your exercise habits, your exercise experience, things like that. And so all these other demographic uh, features and, and uh, calculations would go into, you know, what your calorie and macro targets would be, whether you choose to hit those via uh, an omnivorous diet or a totally, uh, you know, plant-based diet is really up to you. Uh, and, you know, the only real accommodation some people like to make is that they go a little bit higher with mm -hmm. their their protein intake. Uh, the more applied research that comes out, I'm less convinced that that's totally necessary if you have some pretty good plant-based protein sources in your diet and mm -hmm. you're eating an appropriate amount of protein. Um, but if you wanted to do that, when you go through the setup of macro factor, one of the things we want to do is make sure we account for preferences, right? So as yeah. you're going through and you're putting in all the information, it says, what kind of protein target would you prefer? You know, middle of the road, would you like to go super high with it? So if you were on a totally plant-based diet and a little bit concerned about that, you could simply just indicate a preference for a higher protein recommendation. I don't think it's required or necessary, but if you wanted to, you could do it. Yeah. So, uh, and again, one of the things I really like is being able to look at those, those amino acids. That's a pretty cool feature for, uh, vegetarians and especially for vegans as well. Absolutely. Uh, I I've got two, uh, two questions to, to answer that are related, but may not seem like they are. Uh, so several people have asked why isn't our app free? Why is macro factor not free? Uh, and another person asked about data privacy. Would we be selling your data? And uh, yeah, those two things are very, very intimately connected. Um, so your your data privacy is uh, is excellent. We're not going to do shit with your data except for things we do in house. Um, virtually all of the data we collect, uh, and I say virtually all because I'm not 100% sure about all of the app permissions we ask for, but I'm pretty sure it's all, and if if it's not all, it's virtually all. Uh, the data that we're collecting, what it's for is basically to improve our uh, daily energy expenditure estimations over time. Um, because like currently it works really, really well. It works, uh, I would say almost shockingly well. Uh, and, you know, that's obviously we're trying to sell a product here, but that is a true statement from me to you. That's uh, that's an honest assessment of how well it how well it works. Um, but it all it already works really well. But there are a lot of little things that we could maybe account for better, um, like edge cases to account for. And, you know, we're talking about the types of things that might affect uh, estimate precision in the in the realm of like you know, maybe 50 calories per day or something. Uh, like the, the core functionality is excellent, but we're, we're obsessive about numbers. <laughs> and so we want to improve it even more. The vast majority of the data we collect is just so once we get users coming into the app, we'll be able to analyze it and tweak and improve our algorithms. Um, 
And so how does that relate to the app being free? Basically, or to the app not being free, to be clear. Um, so if you're putting out a free nutrition app, uh, that almost necessitates selling data or letting other people access the data in some way, shape, or form, largely in the form of ads. So, um, I mean, ultimately, uh, like nutrition database APIs aren't free. Uh, our estimated cost per user per month just for uh, hits to the NutritionX API uh, or, or NutritionX API calls is probably about two bucks, two, two and a half bucks per user per month, give or take. Um, all of which is to say, you know, that's that's not free. Um, and so, okay, if, if we wanted to put out a free app, uh, and, and use some third-party nutrition database API, uh, how could we fund that? Well, we could sell subscriptions, which is what we do, uh, or you know, we, could, we could put ads on it. Uh, and if we put ads on it, then ultimately that means you, know, you don't necessarily have to sell user data to advertisers, but uh, they're going to they're gonna want to be able to run targeted ads based on demographics and characteristics of your user base. So that's where a lot of uh, data privacy risks come from. Like if if a product runs ads, that's, um, you know, that's something to be aware of. Uh, some of that data might be surfaced to third party individuals. Um, so the fact that we do have a paid product, that means we don't have to run ads, which makes sure that your data is safer. Um I feel like I had one more thing that I was going to add about that. Anyway, we're not doing anything with your fucking data. Uh, <laughs> it's safe. Um, uh, let's see. Here's now, another. Here's one, a, one thing I, I should mention since you brought up the payment model, people have been asking, where's the link? Where do I find this? Um, and things like that. Uh, if you're interested in the app, it is in the, what do they call it? The Google play store yeah the play store and the ios app store and the app store yeah. you can also go to strongerbyscience.com slash macro factor um and in terms of the pricing uh there is a 14 day free trial mm -hmm. um so if you want to check it out um without making that long-term commitment you know 14 days for free um in terms of the subscriptions if you go with the monthly it's 9.99 billed every month if you go with the uh, every six month kind of plan, uh, it's forty one ninety nine. Build every six months ends up being about six ninety nine a month. And if you go with the yearly plan, it's fifty nine ninety nine. Build once per year, uh, which ends up being about four ninety nine yeah. a month. And, and those are our special uh, sale prices that are only available till September thirtieth. Yes. So I, I remember the other thing I was going to say. Uh, the other option, if you if you want to not run ads, but you also uh, want to have a free tier of the app, is basically uh, to have a shitty free version and then a really good paid version. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that we believe in is that everyone should have as good of an experience as we can give them on the app. Um, so one of the things that I think a lot about and am concerned about uh, really in most aspects of life is what are the incentives in a particular situation. Uh, and if something seems like a good deal, but you look at the incentives and there are some perverse incentives and I'm like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. So anyway, um, 
if you have a free tier and a paid tier and you know you basically use the the paid tier to finance the free tier i'm not saying everyone does this but what you're incentivized to do is make the free tier good enough that people aren't just going to delete it on the spot but make sure it kind of sucks enough that people are uh adequately incentivized to uh to to pay for the premium and I just don't want to have to deal with <laughs> with that calculus um, to see like how bad of a free app can we get away with to to adequately incentivize people to pay us. Um, I would just prefer for it to be good for everyone. So that that's the other that's the other way that we could have a free tier, and that also just doesn't appeal to me. Um, and there was another data-related question from Jordan Blevins. Uh, how long is your data stored forever? Um, let's see. So I, I see Rebecca is in the chat. And if I'm wrong, she can correct me. But uh, your data, for the most part, is just stored for however long you want it to be stored. So if you cancel and you say, hey, I don't want these people to have any of my data anymore, you can delete the app and request your data deleted and we will delete it all. We will have none of it anymore. Um, if you don't do that, then I don't know if it's forever, but for a long, long time, we will hold on to it. So if you sign back up at some point, your prior account will be there. Uh, all of your prior food preferences will be there. All of your old data will still be there. Um, so basically, if you, you know, if you... <laughs> Trust us with your data, which you should. We're not going to do anything with it other than uh, make our algorithms better. Um, we'll hold on to it. And if you come back to the app, it'll still be there. Uh, or if you just, okay, Rebecca confirmed, we do hold on to it forever unless you request to delete it. But if you do request us to delete it, we will delete it. And then it is completely gone and we will have no way to access it again. So you have complete control over your data. Yeah, good stuff. Now, I kind of want to be efficient here by answering many questions with one answer. So one of the things that's come up quite a few times in the chat uh, is questions about comparisons to other apps. So, you know, you do you do this as well as that app? Or do you have this feature that they have? And also things about pricing um, compared to other apps. And I think the easiest way to answer that, because there's such a long list of potential features, uh, if you go to strongerbyscience.com slash macro factor, uh, we made this huge grid, you know, and it shows basically our app and several uh, competitors that, that are fairly similar products in terms of what they try to do. And it basically goes through a bunch of different features, whether or not different apps have it, and then compares the pricing as well. So uh, if you're asking those types of questions, probably the easiest way to get the information you're looking for is by going to that website. Yes, sir. Do you want to, do you want to get back into the outline for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. <coughs> Let's see here. What is up next? Uh, Ooh, features we're most excited about. Yes. What feature are you the most excited about Trex? Uh, so there's a lot here. Um, ooh, one thing I did want to mention that I think is a cool feature. Um, just briefly, I want to acknowledge it. So uh, the developers, 
Corey and Rebecca spent a lot of time making sure that users are going to have really a really seamless experience, you know, mm -hmm. as few clicks as possible without losing an intuitive feel. And, you know, one of the things that was important to us from the start was kind of a, a quick menu to do some very quick tasks, right? And so uh, they they really outdid themselves with that because mm -hmm. someone asked if there was like a, a quick ad type of thing for foods. So we have a little quick menu that you can open up by pressing like a little plus button. And you, of course, you can add foods very quickly in a variety of different ways, but you can also adjust the menu in mm -hmm. terms of which icons you want to be presented in that little quick menu and in what order. Uh, I think that was a really cool thing that users are going to appreciate once they, you know, dive in and start adjusting that. Um, but in terms of things I'm excited about, there, there's one particular feature that blew me away that I was really uh, shocked about. The AI describe feature, I think, is the coolest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a bit lazy with food. Like, <laughs> it's not that I'm unable to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I'm able to enjoy food. But, you know, what I get from food uh, never is enough. To, to to convince me to do anything time consuming or effort consuming or burdensome or cumbersome. Mm -hmm. So like I just eat plain easy stuff because I'm like, ah, who cares, right? So I'm always looking for those shortcuts and the AI describe feature is pretty incredible. You, you basically hit a little microphone button and describe what you just consumed, uh, the food, the amount, the unit that you're using and you can do multiple foods at once and it will populate and basically say like, hey, do you want to log all that stuff you just said? Uh, like literally said using your voice. And then you say, yes, that would be great. It, it, it works shockingly, shockingly well. Yeah, to me. It wasn't that long ago uh, that that just voice to text couldn't even tell what the fuck you were saying. <laughs> yeah. But that, like a word processor. You yeah, just yeah. feel like, hey, but could you. That part works flawlessly. Yeah. And then I would say. uh it, it pulls up the correct foods based on the words you say com comfortably in excess of 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that in my opinion is one of the cooler features. Um, and like I said, some of the other stuff that gets tracked, I'm pretty excited about. Like I, I, I used to use uh, my fitness pal a lot back in the day and would sometimes be looking for a particular nutrient. And if it was being tracked, I didn't know where to find it, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but I like the micronutrient tracking the, the amino acid tracking, things like that I think are cool. Um, what are the features that you're most excited about? So I, I think the one that is one of the more basic features, but also, Probably the one that helps me the most is the weight trending feature. So I, I'm someone whose day-to-day body weight fluctuates a lot. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I just become super dehydrated from time to time or uber hydrated from time to time. I honestly have no idea what the fuck's going on. Uh, but my, my body weight can swing like eight pounds within one week pretty easily and pretty regularly. Um, and so, uh, the, the weight trending feature, I think gives me a lot of peace of mind because it used to be that if a diet was overall going pretty well, uh, but then I had say two days back to back where my weight was up like six pounds, 
I, I would know this was irrational, but the, my little lizard brain would say like, oh shit, your diet's going terribly. Uh, fuck it. Why even try? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and so I think the, the peace of mind I get just from that nice, smooth weight trend. Um, a- absolutely incredible. It's, uh, it seems like such a small thing, but it's been really, really huge for, for my adherence and peace of mind, I would say. Um, and the other thing, and honestly, this could just be a me feature. I don't know if anyone else will interact with it the same way I do, but, um, (laughs) one of the other things that's, that's helped me a lot is I know the logic that goes into the app, right? So I, I know how, uh, our total daily energy expenditure estimate is calculated. And so I know where the calorie recommendations are coming from. Uh, and it's it's purely logic-driven and deterministic. And so I know that if I do hit the recommendations or at least get reasonably close to them, I am going to get the results I want, which currently is, is losing weight. Um, and so, yeah, like... Again, since other people <laughs> weren't the ones that made the algorithms, I don't I don't know if their experience of that will be the same as me. Um, but that that's been huge for me. Uh, the other thing that's been awesome. Uh, one, so one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason, why I haven't um, regularly tracked uh, nutrition intake very often in the past is just that it would end up feeling very cumbersome where, um, you know, just you have to log one food at a time. It would take quite a while to do. And uh, Corey and Rebecca have built in so many little features into the food log to uh, speed up the time that it takes to to log something. And it's the type of thing that it sounds like it's going to be small, but... um, you know, if you're law, if you put something in your mouth five times a day and the, the interaction between yourself and your application to log everything and get it all squared away, if that's like, say, a minute on another app versus oftentimes like fucking 10 seconds on macro factor, that that reduction in friction has, has made it so much easier to track consistently. Um, so one of the features of the app that I think I probably use the most uh, for the food logger is smart history. So yeah, that's a good one. So if you eat similar foods around the, the same time each day that the app will remember that uh, in your history. And so, you know, you go to add a food and your smart history is there. And so you don't have to search anything. If it's, if you're going to be eating something that you commonly eat at that time, you just tap it, log it, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, very, very seamless, quick transaction. Uh, and, and so I think just the the slight reduction in friction virtually every time I go to log something uh, has been so huge for, for continuing to stick with the, the habit of logging. Yeah, a lot of people who do a lot of food logging, food logging, they tend to have, in many cases, pretty consistent dietary habits from day to day and just, you know, some fluctuations here and there. And so when you combine the smart history, which, which you mentioned, where it's like, dude, you know what happens at noon, I know what you're about to eat, and it comes up front and center, that's, that's really useful. But then there's the copy paste functions as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, the copy paste function from day to day 
is super cool. Um, and so between those two things, like the app is going to get you to a situation where if you have re relatively consistent habits in terms of your tracking, mm -hmm. it goes from or your intakes, it goes from extremely convenient tracking to like stupidly convenient tracking. Yeah. Like that, that those features specifically are, are really, really clutch. So I'm going to pitch an idea, Eric. Tell me if you hate it. Okay. We've been we've been on here for about an hour. Uh, I promised some some fireside chat content, which we very much have not done, and I don't like being a liar. Cool. And, and also, this has been pretty sales pitchy so far. Um, and well, I, I'm sorry, Greg. We've been working for a year and a half, and I'm proud of it. Well, and no, I'm excited. So uh, th there have been some. I, so I, I'm going to be completely transparent here. There have been some some uh, tougher questions or more critical feedback that's come up in the chat, and I don't want it to look like we're just ducking those. Uh, thus far, the questions we've picked have largely been ones that that we could just really tee off on. Yeah, <laughs> um, last time someone asked why we were so handsome, and we were happy to tackle that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I think a good way to end this episode. Uh, is to go with a combination of fireside chat questions and tough questions. Okay. So I am not going to scroll back through the app or through the the chat. I mean to find things. There's there's a lot of chat, and I don't read that fast. Uh, so if you have fun non fitness related off topic questions or uh, challenging pieces of feedback or challenging app questions that you know you're you're not just uh teeing us up to make a sales pitch throw those in the chat now uh i i think that would be a good and honest way uh to end this episode yeah now there is one thing that i that i saw in the chat that is easily addressed so the um there are many ways to log foods there, there's the database um and there is the AI describe that, you know, you can search the database. You can do AI describe, um, you can do copy paste stuff. One of the common ways that people like to, uh, log their food is using the barcode scanner. And we do support that. There have been people today who have met, who have, you know, sent us feedback saying like, Hey, the barcode scanner doesn't seem to be working at the moment. And so basically what happened was a lot of people got the app and so like uh the barcode scanner people were like yeah you you can ba we'll basically support up to like this many folks and then a ton of people got the app really quickly which is a really nice problem to have and we had to get them on the phone and be like hey dude we need more barcode scans so if there's an intermittent lapse you know there we, we got notification of that earlier today made a phone call it was fixed I don't know if the people commenting are referring to earlier in the day or if it's happening again. I mean, I, I think they're they're probably either asking about that or asking about if they live outside of the U.S. Yeah, and that that is the other thing I wanted to mention. So, uh, outside of the U.S., you know, the the, the database that we use is um, you know is a U.S. database, mm -hmm. you know, and so people internationally have wondered, you know, if the database doesn't cover. A lot of the foods that I commonly eat, uh, you know, what am I to do with that? Mm -hmm. And there are options there, right? Yeah. So, uh, of course, you can do custom food entry and custom recipe entry within the app. Um, 
another option, one of the things that that's pretty cool is if you're if you really like the app uh, and the guidance it gives in terms of adjusting your calorie targets, macro targets, things like that. But you have a data, you know, have a, a food logger that works better in your country. You can actually link that up, and so mm-hmm. for some of our international users, they might find it uh, convenient to uh, use the, the the nutrition information they're currently logging in a different app, and then sync that up so yeah. that the name the the numbers will come in via that syncing process. Um, but then enter into the app just like if they were logging with the built-in logger. Yeah. So uh, do you have any, anything to add when it comes to international food stuff? I mean, really just to be transparent that that is one of the major weaknesses of the app right now. Yeah. Um, we absolutely want to expand international database support and barcode support. Um, to be completely transparent about why we haven't thus far is that... Uh, it's it's fucking expensive to do it right. So there are some some uh, free open source databases that that have some foods from some other countries, but the drawback there is that basically if we were trying to do API calls to those databases in addition to NutritionX, uh, it would absolutely destroy load times for searching for just about anything. So it it would make uh, it would make the app suck worse for everyone. And so the the clear way forward to support that better um, would be so NutritionX and, and some other uh, companies as well uh, allow for services where you can basically download their database and manage it yourself. Um, and that would give us the ability to maybe go to some of those free open source databases and pull some of their stuff, add it to the database. And so then you're just making a call to a single database or um, have a crowdsourcing system that hopefully works a lot better than my fit- <laughs> my fitness pals, where um, not only would would users be able to create their own foods and share it with everyone, but also there could be a system to basically upvote, downvote uh, entries people make or suggest corrections to them. Um, so anyway, th- those are things that are doable and things that we absolutely intend to do in the future uh but getting to that point uh (laughs) takes a lot of money and so we're gonna get there but it it wouldn't have been feasible for that to be a a launch day addition to the app so um so yeah that's hopefully that answers that question yeah and you know when it comes to databases there's always that challenge of you know database selection is hard right you have to think of you know coverage for different countries but you also have to think of you know some of the big um criticisms of some logging apps is that the database just contains a lot of food entries that are very wrong mm-hmm. you know and so that's the one thing with the database we use that we feel great about is that you're not going to be going in there and finding just absolutely ridiculous yeah foods in there so um yeah the, the whole time i've been using it i think i found like maybe four entries where I'm just like, ah, yeah, that one's a lemon. <laughs> right. I mean, but, but, but this like is... not actually a lemon, like a, a bad entry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, to our knowledge that we're using the largest RD verified food database that that's available here. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a solid database, but like you said, we're, we're, 
going to focus very intently on uh, expanding some of that international coverage in the future. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's keep it moving. Um, let's see. Does the app support tracking for marijuana consumption? This actually relates to to uh, the previous answer. We don't manage the database yet, so there are uh, some edibles that show up in the NutritionX database. We don't currently have the ability to stop users from uh, from logging marijuana and marijuana related products. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there. That's, that's a key area for improvement as well. Um, we don't have the power to stop it, but we do have the power to email them about it every day. Correct. And, yeah. and boy, have we. Yes. Uh, what is the best pasta shape? I'm a big Bucatini guy. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. That's the, it, it's a long pasta and it's round and it has a little hole in the middle. Oh, like, uh, like a macaroni and cheese. No, but long, uh, but so an entire bucatini noodle could fit through the hole of a macaroni and cheese. Whoa. How do they make that? Uh, That's crazy. So I'm pretty sure it's just pushed through a, a bronze die like most shaped pasta, but it has just kind of like a little hole in the middle. I'm not entirely sure how they make bucatini. That's a good question. Uh, it, it is a good question. Anyway, I'm, I'm a big bucatini guy. Um. Biggest celebrity crush. Uh, my wife is famous in my heart, and she is my number one celebrity crush. Um, you know, I, I think I could argue that uh, my wife, Lindsay Knuckles, is a minor celebrity. Um, she was given a credit in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which was a number one New York Times bestseller for ever maybe it still is i'm not totally sure a bunch of fucking people have read that book which is good it's an excellent book um but if if you quantify celebrity status in terms of total number of eyeballs that have seen someone's name uh i'd say she, i'd say she's a um low to mid-tier celebrity so well i'm gonna trip you up on this without without uh a shade of irony my wife number one celebrity crush i'm gonna trip you up on this so you said, you know, it's about the number of people whose eyes are, are getting... I'm saying if you if you define it as such. Right, and she was given a credit, right? Yeah. So like in the first few pages that nobody really looks at, right? I think everyone does look at them. Well, what about someone else in your family who actually starred in the book? I do not have a crush on my dog. But Oswald might be the biggest celebrity in the family. That that is true. Uh, so yeah, th there was uh, a a, per a a real person. I was going to say a character, but there was a person whose story uh, James recounted in the book, and the person wanted a pseudonym to be used for him instead of his real name. Uh, and Lindsay suggested Oswald Knuckles, which is my dog. Uh, and that's yeah. what made it to the final version <laughs> of the book. So uh, I, I love the fact that Oswald is in that book. Oh, it's it's excellent. So yeah, yeah if if you've read Atomic Habits and you read the story of uh, I think software developer from Alabama named Oswald Knuckles, uh, that is my dog's name, but that is not his story. He knows nothing about software. Uh, who's your biggest celebrity crush? Uh, nah, pass. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend is a violent person uh, 
not a kind woman. So pass. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's see. What would it take for me to get my beard down to nipple level? A lot of time. Uh, I've gotten my beard down to my chest before, not nipple level. Uh, it just gets annoying after a while, though. Um, okay. Difficult question from Fabian Day. Uh, when will the app work for countries uh, not near the U.S., for example, in New Zealand? Uh, to be clear, it does it does work there. So yeah. uh, the the drawbacks you'd have is poor barcode support um, and and local branded products uh, probably wouldn't show up. Um, so if, if you're someone who is primarily interested or who cares a lot about uh, tracking micronutrients, that actually doesn't matter at all because the best micronutrient support is for the common foods in the database, which uh, aren't the ones you'd pull up from from barcode scanning. Yeah, potato, stuff like that. For example, yeah. Um, But yeah, so uh, I mean, I would say 95% of the app works uh, virtually everywhere in the world right now. Um, but I, I don't, we, we don't have an ETA for expanded, uh, database and barcode support. Um, but it's, it's a high priority. Once, once we make enough money to justify it, we'll get there. And, and to pay off that fourth home that you mentioned earlier. Yes. And that as well. Um, let's see. Leonardo asks, is being a landscaper moderately active or very active lol? I'd say very active. Very active if you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I used to do construction uh, and as kind of a job on the side, some some of the people I worked with uh, also kind of had like a handyman business on the side. And we would sometimes get contracted out to also help with, uh, with landscapers. Like we, we kind of did a little bit of everything. Um, and I got to say landscaping was... <laughs> was some of the hardest work that I did. Uh, I would, if, if landscaping is not very active, I would, would not want to even dabble, uh, with a job that was, uh, here's a good one from Mark. What is the latest cool gift you treated yourself with? Uh, well, obviously on my road to enlightenment, I've, uh, largely shed my attachment to material objects. Uh, however, I was so impressed by the webcam that we, that we got for this <laughs> that I went and got one of my own. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just like uh, trying to find ways to use it in a way that that's not stupid. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, oh, man, you're, you're going to become a Twitch streamer pretty soon. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, you know, trying to line up a bunch of interviews like surely someone wants to see me on this webcam. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm stoked about that. I'm really happy with it. What Excellent. about you? Uh, oh, I think this is a, a treat yourself type thing. These shoes, they're, Whoa. they're nice sketchers, slip-ons, uh, memory foam soles. Yeah. Uh, they, I, they, I think they were like 40 or 50 bucks and nice. therefore about four times as expensive as everything else I'm currently wearing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I got these sketchers maybe like three or four months ago. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> nice. Um, 
I will say this. If you're looking to treat yourself to something uh, before the webcam I got, I would say uh, everyone should own a rice cooker. It is the single best uh, kitchen appliance you could possibly get. I got a I got a rice cooker several months ago, and it changed my life. So if you don't have one, you should treat yourself to that. Which uh, which brand of rice cooker did you get? The least expensive one at Walmart. Interesting. So I forget the name of the brand. Okay, is there I, like I a recall? It it's leaching heavy metals into my. No, no, no. So um, I also have a very old cheap rice rice cooker and multiple asian people have told me that i should acquire a they always say baby elephant brand rice cooker huh. uh the actual brand name is zoji rushi or yeah i assume that's how you'd pronounce it i think it's japanese so more or less phonetic um yeah it has a cute little baby elephant on it and apparently that is the cadillac of rice cookers nice um, let's I'm trying to find a, a tough app question that, that will make us squirm a little bit. Oh, um, let's see. Oh yeah. So, so here's a good one. Um, also about a feature we want to add that we currently lack. Uh, let's see. The kid sky says a small feature that I miss from other diet apps using macro factor is the quick add feature where you log specific macros and calories without creating permanent custom foods. Any plans to add this? Yes, absolutely. We have imminent plans to add that. That will, that will be coming out in a, uh, my brain's not working. I want to say a very soon release of the app, uh, but that's not correct English. Yeah. That's not how sentences. Yeah. A, a release of the app that is in close temporal proximity to the present day. Yeah, that, that's um, the most concise way to, yeah. Jesus Christ. My brain's <laughs> fucking broken. Uh, but yeah, so, um, the, the app doesn't currently have that. I, I can tell you the workaround that I currently use. Um, so I created custom foods for protein, fat, and carbs. So, you know, the, the custom food entry for protein, it weighs one gram. It has zero grams of fat, zero grams of carbs, one gram of protein, four calories. Oh, so, that's smart. Yeah. So I, I just made custom macro entries as custom food entries. Um, so I, I just log those when I want to quick add calories. Um, so you can just say, I'm going to add, you know, 14 proteins and, correct, you know, yeah. six carbs and whatever. Yeah. So um, that is a... I was going to say convenient workaround. It's it's a not inconvenient workaround currently yeah. um, that you very much can do and do and do pretty quickly in the app. Um, but uh, native robust support for quick adding calories or macros to a particular hour of the day um, that is going to be coming soon. But you, you are correct that we don't currently have that. Uh, cool. Do you want to uh, talk about batch cooking? in terms of like quick ways to do that like if you're doing your meal prep you know we can because I, I think some people are going to be interested in like you know basically how you do it every week where you kind of weigh out the whole thing and then create your serving size and whatnot yeah i mean you pretty much described it <laughs> uh i log all of the foods uh because people I, have been asking about like recipes and yeah, yeah. cooking in bulk and things like that. Yeah. So I, I cook in bulk every week. Uh, I make enough food in one go to last me about 10 meals. People say that food is only safe in the fridge for like four to five days. 
That's fucking bullshit, dude. I keep food in the fridge for 10 days. That's not advice, though. Don't take... Yeah, that's not (laughs) advice. That's a personal anecdote, but I've never gotten food poisoning from it, so whatever. Do with that what you will. Uh, But yeah, I I cook a big batch of food um, most weeks, every 10 days at most, and every five days at the least, if I'm also dipping into some of that stash for dinner, going into too many details. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, I just log all of the ingredients, and then... When I'm done, I weigh out the dish. So, you know, uh, have the big cooking dish that that whatever I that I cooked, whatever I just cooked in. Uh, And then I'll have some Tupperware. I'll set the Tupperware on my kitchen scale and I'll just ladle out my my bulk prepped uh, casserole or whatever it is into that. And then I have the weight and I record the weight for the entire recipe in the app. And then I can log servings and grams just just like I would log anything else. Good stuff. Um, Trying to see if there are any other uh, either challenging questions or uh, fireside chat off topic. Oh, here's a good one as well. Uh, Also from the kid's guy. Any plans to integrate step counts by integrating data from Apple's health app? Um, so yeah, we, we do already integrate with Apple health. Uh, currently we only pull, uh, weight data from Apple health. So for example, if you have a smart scale and you already just step on the scale, the scale logs the number to Apple health or some other smart scale app. And then Apple health pulls data from that app. We can pull weight data from Apple health. So you don't have to enter your weight three different places on your phone every day. Um, but yeah, since we have that integration, um, so so this this I think is important to explain about how our uh, daily energy estimation calculation works, because uh, because people have been asking about um, whether we have or will soon have a Garmin integration, and we don't, and we will probably have one eventually, but it might not be particularly soon, and so. That may seem like a big drawback, like, hey, uh, this is what I'm using to log my my activity. Like, it's in my Garmin app. Uh, will that fuck up your calculations? And no, it won't. Um, so our, our algorithm is based purely on uh, changes in weight and logged nutrition intake. That's all you need to be able to deterministically uh, get a, a good estimate of someone's daily energy expenditure and once you know someone's daily energy expenditure, you uh, can can then estimate pretty well how much you need to increase or decrease their daily caloric intake to get them to gain or lose weight at their uh, desired weight. So um, basically, we're solving for uh, daily energy expenditure. And so uh, da- pulling uh, activity data is unnecessary for the app to work well. However, uh, it could potentially work better. And I say potentially because we don't we don't know this yet. Uh, but one of the things on the horizon is to start um, not yet using activity data or step data, but to start pulling activity data. So then we can analyze basically, like we, we can run models, we can run tests to determine whether incorporating some of that information can improve the accuracy and precision of our estimates and our our uh, calorie targets that we give people um it, it works great now but that's one of those things that i alluded to earlier that might improve things 
a little bit more. So for example, here's uh, here's a situation where our algorithm works well, but maybe could work better. So we, we base our calculations on, um, on data that we're pulling from up to three weeks old. Like we're not, uh, we're, we're exponentially weighting things. It's not just like a flat, uh, flat moving average. Um, so, you know, your data from three weeks ago doesn't count as much as your data today, but we, we are incorporating, uh, relatively like a relatively long tail of data. Um, and that helps us smooth things out. So we're not saying like, oh, hey, you lost half a pound less this week than you were supposed to. Like we're dropping your calories by a thousand calories a day or whatever. Um, so the, the smoothing helps with that and makes sure that we're, we're not overcorrecting for things. But on the flip side, uh, with any algorithm like this, you're trying to balance um, appropriately responding to signal while being able to ignore noise and you're trying to not overcorrect for things. And so you want to be um, reactive without being overly reactive. Correct. Correct. Uh, And so a situation where our current algorithms will work well, but probably could work better is if you have a relatively large change in your daily physical activity. Uh, So for example, if, um, like, I don't know if, if you previously had a super sedentary job and you get a super active job or you previously had a super active job and then you get an office job, something like that, where, where you're have or, or, you know, you go from, uh, being fairly sedentary outside of work to, uh, training for a half marathon or something like that in a situation like those where you have relatively large shifts in, um, energy expenditure in a relatively short period of time, the first week, our, our calorie recommendations would still be influenced by your previous uh, level of physical activity to some degree. So if your daily energy expenditure increased very rapidly for the first week, you know, let's say your daily energy needs go up legitimately by 500 calories per day. The first week, we may only bump your calorie targets up by 300 calories because the the shift in energy expenditure, um, like we're, we're trying to not overreact to it, but we end up reacting maybe a little bit too slow to an actual, uh, relatively large, relatively rapid change. Uh, and then the next week we, we might, we would probably be fully up to the 500 calorie increase that you needed. Uh, but basically, you know, most of the time it's working well, but then we're getting, uh, a slightly inappropriate estimate for one week. So that's, you know, that's not bad app behavior. It could certainly be worse, but it could be better. And so that's a situation where being able to use activity data could help. Um, and, and like I said, I don't know that for sure, but we could test it. So if there was a situation where um, it looks like, say, your weight is decreasing faster than we think that it, then we would have thought it would have given our current estimate of your daily energy expenditure. And if we see that that coincides with a massive daily increase in step count, we could potentially build some logic in that says like, okay, in a situation like this, uh, the increase in daily energy needs that would otherwise be slow, maybe let's make that a little bit faster because what our weight and nutrition-based algorithms are telling us is it's the same thing that activity data is telling us. So instead of 
uh, instead of smoothing out this transition, let's maybe be a little bit more aggressive with it. Um, so incorporating activity data could potentially help in, in edge cases like that. But like I said, we'll, we'll need to test it. Uh, all of which is to say, um, currently, I, I don't think it's a weakness that we uh, don't uh, integrate with Garmin and don't pull activity data because the way it currently works, we don't need it. Uh, but that is something that we're going to move towards in the future in an effort to tweak and improve our algorithms. Yeah. All right. Do you think it might be time to start uh, wrapping up here? Uh, I I think we should do two more fireside chat questions and one more uh, uh, challenging app question. All right. Cool. Have you seen any you like? Uh, <laughs> someone alluded to ski season beginning, which I always like. Uh, no further commentary on it, but you love to see it. Uh, I've officially once the leaves start falling, I start counting down the days uh, for for skiing to be a possibility again. So, I appreciated that comment. Do you have uh, do, do you have a weekend picked out to go for your your first of the season? Uh, I do not. <laughs> Uh, there's a question to saying I'm from Eastern Kentucky University improve the chances of my question getting noticed. It probably does, but we we have definitely failed to give some of these students extra credit. So I, I apologize to the people whose questions we did not answer. Um, let's see. A lot of people talking about their favorite brands of rice cookers. You'll love to see that. Oh, man. Somebody said, when will uh, Trexler, me, do a 10-day meditation retreat? Uh, apparently, there's a center near Asheville. That would be awfully convenient. And I love Ooh, Asheville. Very nice. That'd be good. Maybe I'll have to cancel all my ski trips and do that 10-day retreat. That'd be fun. That would be... What would uh, What would your girlfriend think of that? Uh, it'd be fine. Anything to get me out of the house, you know? Fair enough. Um, let's see. Okay. Here's a good one. Uh, any plans to make a website front end for macro factor? Um, yeah, that's a good question. We, we currently don't have desktop support. That is an area where we lag behind some of our competitors. Uh, for example, I know my fitness pal has desktop support. Pretty sure, uh, chronometer does as well. Um, so that's something we currently don't have that we absolutely intend to add. Uh, and here's, here's an unforced error. Here's another thing that, uh, our app could absolutely do better. And that is, uh, recipe planning. So, um, yeah, I, you can, you can log foods ahead of time, but that's currently, that could be a better experience. Um, so, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, 10 PM tonight and I already know what I'm going to eat tomorrow and I want to log it ahead of time. I can do it, but like the smart smart history that I raved about before, that's not going to work well for you because, you know, if you're always logging things at 10 p.m. at night, fucking everything you eat is in your smart history. And functionally, if everything's in your smart history, nothing's in your smart history. So that, that could work better. Um, and uh, I, I mean, just on a phone. I think, and this could just be me. I'm I'm not a huge phone guy. I'm I'm a big uh, I'm I'm a big desktop guy. Uh, but I think for for planning meals ahead, um, 
it, it isn't ideal to have to do that on a phone interface uh, just because you're, you're dealing with less total real estate. So um, yeah, two, two big areas to improve is adding desktop support and improving uh, meal planning and what we're calling pre-logging. Um, so like logging foods ahead of time when you're planning meals either for the next day or for the week. Um, those are things that could be improved. And uh, where I was going with like not necessarily liking planning ahead on my phone, I think that probably desktop support will come first, um, followed later by better uh, uh, planning ahead type support, just because I think for a lot, I think a lot of users would find that more convenient to do on their laptops or desktops. Uh, so yeah, um, those, those are, uh, things that we absolutely plan to add in the, I would say middle future, definitely not far future, but probably not super near future. Um, but yeah, those are, those are, uh, definitely areas where some of our competitors have a leg up on us that we, we absolutely plan to, uh, improve pretty soon. You know, I do have a off topic question here. Mm -hmm. So two people now have mentioned Ohio State football. Mm -hmm. uh, one person asked if if they're going to win the Big Ten. And I think one of the things we probably need to clear up is <laughs> what happened last weekend. Yeah. Um, so there there was a game with, with Oregon. Mm -hmm. You know, that much we know. There, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about improprieties about the score. Mm -hmm. it, people are saying Oregon won. Uh, but I'm hearing a lot of stuff. Otherwise, I'm hearing that there was weird stuff going on with the scoreboard operation. And fortunately, those scores don't get certified for real until several months from now. So and we, we should be able to appeal it all the way up to the Supreme Court. If yeah, necessary. So people are provisionally tentatively. Yes, Oregon is listed as the winner for that game. But there's still a lot to be figured out there. There were there were a lot of uh, mail in points that came in. <laughs> At weird times, uh, I was I was gonna say there, that we needed to stop counting scores, but we were never winning in the game. Look, so. I, I, I've got the packet <laughs> captures. We're gonna blow this thing wide open. Um, yeah, there there was no alteration of time that could have uh, helped us out there. Unfortunately, it was a nasty game. Yeah. Oh well. There's always next week. Yeah, but do do you think they'll win the Big Ten? I mean, I haven't watched every team play. I think that until Big Ten play starts, unless the rest of non-conference gets really ugly, I I think your your uh, Bayesian prior has to be that Ohio State's going to win. Um, and, and I think that especially with a first-year starting quarterback, I, I think that he's going to look better week by week. Um, I'm really excited about the run game. The defense looks out of sync, but, um, you know, a lot of that I think relates to injuries and lack of depth in the secondary. So hopefully as the season goes on, if, uh, you know, if the defense gets healthier and gels as a unit, I think, I think they have the talent to be really nasty. So, um, yeah, I, I think Ohio state is poised to, to be a team that's, I mean, already good, yeah. uh, Oregon has a lot of talent. They they played a tough game. Ohio State didn't win. Uh, but, you know, so already playing uh, good games against a highly ranked opponent this early in the season with a team that still has so much room to improve. 
I think that that is a a positive sign. So I I still would pick Ohio State to win the Big Ten. Yeah. Man, someone asked if we would ever vlog a day in the life of Fuck Eric no. and Greg. That'd Are you be kidding me? The the biggest waste of time. <laughs> I I was about to say no one would watch that. I'm going to amend that to say I hope no one would watch it, that. Yeah, a complete waste of time. Um, Eric's eating soup again. Uh, that's old Eric. Yep. Yeah, that, that would be it. Um, so I, why don't you look for another... Do you want to look for another challenging one or another... Uh, off topic um, one in the meantime i think there's one important thing we haven't mentioned it yet that ought to be uh described and that is the fact that the app does have three different modes yes uh, so oh, yeah yeah Th- this is a big one yeah so i'm certain that a lot of people are going to want to use this app for its tracking functionality because it is a very slick uh food tracking app it yeah. is very very efficient and convenient but you know, a lot of people say, well, I like controlling my own macros or I want on the other side of the spectrum to be totally guided through the process here. Tell mm-hmm. me how much of this and that to eat. So we understand that there's uh, a pretty a pretty big spectrum there of people who want some degree of control over their uh, macro targets or a great deal of control. So that's why we have three modes. So the coached mode is you know very highly directed mm-hmm. where, where you get... Uh, you know, calorie targets, macro targets, and so on. Uh, the manual mode is the other end of the spectrum where you go in and y- you set your own numbers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's very, very self-directed. And then there's the collaborative mode that's kind of a hybrid. You know, yeah. it, it's it's more, uh, more guided than the manual mode, but less guided than the coached mode. Yeah, the, the way collaborative works is... Um our algorithms will set a calorie budget for the week, basically to make sure that the the total weekly calorie targets you're given will be appropriate for you to reach and progress towards whatever goals you have. And beyond that, literally everything's up to you. You can set your protein however you want it. Uh, if you want one day where, where you completely fast and another day where you eat 5,000 calories, you know, be our guest, you can do that. Um, so it, it, I would say here, here's what I would say. Here's a hot take. So the way it's not that hot of a take, I oversold this. Uh, but basically the way the app works is during onboarding, you'll be asked a series of questions and those questions serve two purposes. One is to get an initial estimate of your daily energy expenditure. So that, that works the way just about anything would. So, you know, we use, um, the Cunningham equation to estimate your basal metabolic rate. And then we have uh, a set of activity factors that we use um, to, you know, see, (laughs) to estimate how much above basal metabolic rate your daily energy needs will be. Um, So that's one of the things that those questions help us get to. And then the other thing that they, that they tackle uh, is setting up an initial coached style macro program. Uh, Cause basically one of the things we don't want to happen is for someone to log into the app and just think that it's a food logger and that there's no uh, that there's no coaching functionality that the app won't make uh, macro or calorie adjustments for you. So you you basically go through the steps of setting up a coached macro plan during onboarding, and so you hit the ground running. You got that from day one. Um, so here is my somewhat hot take. Just about everyone listening to to this 
if you're tuning in to watch uh, a webinar with Eric and I uh, at 9.30 p.m. on a weekday, uh, you probably, I would say there's in excess of an 80% chance that you know enough about nutrition probably to go with a collaborative plan where, you know, we'll adjust calorie targets week to week. And then you have uh, incredible freedom to do with your daily calorie and macro targets, what you please. So I would recommend uh, one of the first things you do after downloading the app, again, not for everybody, the coached mode works great for most people. But if you enjoy having more flexibility, as soon as you get in the app, you know, play around in the food logger a little bit. We think it's very slick, but one of the first things you, you should do uh, is, is go to your macro program and set yourself up with a collaborative plan. A lot of the questions and uh, criticisms that we've got here on the first day after release is like, oh, hey, I, I used some other app previously and it gave me more flexibility for my macros day to day. Uh, when are you going to add that to macro factor? And we're like, Psych, we did already. It's already there. It's called the collaborative plan. Um, so yeah, I, I think most people listening to this collaborative plan is probably the way to go. So, uh, or at minimum, just just be aware that that exists. Yeah, I think one of the things I would encourage people to do, uh, this app, there, there's a lot more beneath the surface than you might expect in terms of functionality and different modes and adjustments. So I would encourage people to explore the app because uh, there, there's probably several functions in there that you'll like that you might not locate your first time you open it up or your second time you open it up. So explore the app, uh, press buttons, get to know it, and use the knowledge base as well. One of the things that I think is really cool about this app is that there's a pretty extensive knowledge base that will grow over time as well that talks about uh, you know, aspects of nutrition, uh, talks about different guidelines, nutrition related, but also talks about how to use the app and get the most out of it. Um, uh, and not just like uh, be focused and dedicated, but literally how to use the app, uh, what some of the features are and how to access them. So uh, there is so much depth to the app. I would encourage people to really dig into it and explore it and ask us questions. If you have questions, we'd be happy to... Uh, direct you toward features that you might not know existed. And one of the things I wanted to bring up when it comes to flexibility is because we have the timeline arrangement for the food log, uh, it does facilitate uh, time-restricted feeding strategies if you wish to go that route. Um, you do have the opportunity to increase or decrease calories on certain days. If, you know, Some people like to have higher calories on training days and things like that. You could do an intermittent fasting type protocol where you have fasting days identified. Um, there is a lot of stuff you could do there. Um, so yeah, the, a tremendous amount of flexibility, even for dietary strategies that we aren't like our favorite thing in the world to do. Um, you know, we, we wanted to make sure it was accessible and usable for those things. So even if you wanted to do like a 5-2 diet, time-restricted feeding thing, it could be done. Uh, you know, the uh, the macro recommendations on the coach mode really oh, really one, go. You this... mentioned intermittent fasting. Yes, one of the cool things you can do on the app that I had completely forgotten about since you mentioned that because uh, I don't do intermittent fasting, so it doesn't really matter to me that much. Uh, is you know if you uh, have a feeding window from like twelve p.m. to eight p.m. every day or something like that, 
And so those are the only times you want to be able to see on your food log. You can go into your profile and instead of seeing all 24 hours of your food log and having a lot of uh, white space, you could say like, oh, I only want my food log to show up from uh, like show me by default the hours of uh, 12 p.m. to to yeah, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and, and you can still log food outside of those times if you uh, if you are eating outside of those times. But, you know, if you want to use that as a little reminder to stick to the intermittent fasting you're doing, uh, that's a that's a cool little option on our app that uh, I don't think many other people have. So, yeah, there like you were saying, there there are a lot of like cool little toggles and options like that. Um that <laughs> even as one of the owners of the app, I forget about from time to time because th there is just, there are so many features in it already. Yeah. And, and like I was saying, so all different kinds of feeding strategies with regard to timing, um, the, the macro plans for the coached mode range all the way from ketogenic to pretty high carb, um, you know, pretty low fat. With, with the high carb intake. So th there really is a lot of flexibility to accommodate as many dieting styles and strategies as we could think to, to possibly cover mm -hmm. basically everything that we could justify and not say like, Oh, that's like, we, we don't have uh, what was the one diet? Everybody, the grapefruit diet, there's no grapefruit diet mode um, yeah. built in <laughs> yet, <laughs> but um, yeah, pretty much anything that you would want to do that isn't just tremendously contraindicated. Yeah. Um, th there is a way to make it work in the app. Um, I, I think that's probably uh, a good place to wrap up. Well, probably the best place to, to wrap up is to talk about the future trajectory of macro oh, factor sure. very briefly um, should be um, pretty obvious based on the things we've said in this episode, but you know, we are the future trajectory for us involves frequent feature updates based on user feedback. That's really important to us. Uh, consistently updating and improving the algorithm to make sure that the app gets better and better by the day. Um, and, and really uh, a big commitment to transparency. You know, um, we're always going to be transparent about what the app can do, what it can't do, mm -hmm. who it's for, who it's not for. So that is what the future holds. And we hope that some of the people listening and watching will be part of that future and yes. be part of our user base. And the good thing is now you could sign up for a 14-day uh, free trial, so no risk involved there. And again, the the plans, when you extrapolate them out to their monthly costs, they range from $4.99 to $9.99, depending on whether you go from the yearly uh, to the monthly. There's also the every six-month payment option. So if you want more information about the app, you can go to strongerbyscience.com slash macro factor. And that is where you'll find it. Yeah. Uh, so just to reiterate, um, two week free trial. If, if your questions are still unanswered, uh, download the app. You, you can use it two weeks for free. Uh, if you want to know, like, can I do X, Y, Z? And we didn't get to your question. Uh, you can see for yourself strongly, strongly recommend also uh, either checking out the Macro Factor Facebook page uh, or or and or the Macro Factor subreddit. Um, I am going to, well, me and I assume all of us, but uh, I know for sure me, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be very busy in there over the next few days. Uh, and I mean, on an ongoing basis, but there's going to be a big influx of users. 
That's going to be my fucking life for at least like the next week, just answering a ton of questions. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you want your questions answered or, you know, if you want to report a bug, make a feature request. Uh, I'm very active both of those places. Corey and Rebecca are very active both of those places. Um, so if you get in early, here here's a little pitch to, to check it out now instead of waiting. Um, oftentimes, uh, I mean, basically always, a new piece of software will come out and it's it's a bit of a blank canvas. It, it does what it's supposed to do. Hopefully does it well. In this case, definitely does it well. Uh, but then there are directions it can grow and adapt. Uh, and we have we have several uh, relatively major features that we we want to get out relatively soon. But then from there, it's it's kind of a choose your own adventure. There are uh, several directions that we think we might want to take macro factor uh, going into the future. And hopefully, eventually, we can simply go all of those directions. But you know, one of them will be first. And if you are part of the macro factor community from early on, you will be able to help guide that development to make sure it goes from being uh, an excellent app for you to the perfect app for you. So, uh, and, and as a path of development kind of gets a little bit more set in stone, uh, it will be a little bit harder to have as much influence over some of the directions we go. So there, there is uh, a clear incentive to check it out uh, and and get in the door early. Awesome. So that does it for this episode. Uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, we want to thank everyone for their questions. Uh, apologies to those who asked questions that we couldn't get to. But as Greg mentioned, we are not hard to locate. So if you have more questions, let us know. We're always here to help out whenever we can. Uh, so thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Stronger by Science podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to sign up for our free newsletter to get concise breakdowns of relevant research, as well as 28 free training programs for all skill levels and all schedules. We hate spam just as much as you do, so we'll only email you when we have something really interesting to share with you. You can sign up for the free newsletter at strongerbyscience.com newsletter, or just go to the Stronger by Science homepage and click the free programs button at the top. If you want to join in on the Stronger by Science podcast conversation, be sure to check out our Facebook group and our subreddit. The links for both are provided in the description of today's episode. Finally, please remember that we are not medical doctors or registered dietitians. So before you make any changes to your exercise or nutrition habits, be sure to check with a qualified healthcare professional. Once again, thank you for listening, and we will be back soon with another episode of the Stronger by Science podcast.